this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. What's going on, my good friend, Mark Van Der Waal? Good to see you again, Jake. Yeah, you know, it's nice to aim to, to have a re-therapy every week, but it's nice also to have a break every five or six sessions so we can just kind of um, kind of recharge our batteries and focus on the tanks, you know, that thing that we're talking about. It's actual reef aquariums. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think a bunch of stuff has happened uh, in our aquarium lives um, since we left, you just went back from Hawaii. How was Hawaii? Awesome. And how was your tank when you got back? Hawaii was cool. Um, I have not scuba dived in all the places that you have. You've, you're, you're, you've hit some bucket list places for me. Uh, but I have still, been to, you know, yeah. I'm I still sure. gotta hit the Red Sea, man. That's one. <laughs> it's I got been at the so close, man. I was in Egypt and, uh. Yeah, anyway, that's a different story why I So how was Hawaii? Um I mean, like I said, I've 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 hit some Indian Ocean reefs and stuff, but I was really surprised by Hawaii because not to discount it, I you know, my wife had wanted to go there in a long time and I was like, oh, if we're gonna go that far, let's go a little bit further, right? Mm -hmm. Um and part of that was just a lack of coral diversity. All the pictures I've seen in Hawaii with a very mono monotonous. I wouldn't call it monospecific because there's like a few species. It might as well but, be. Yeah. Um, but the ability to, I mean, like there's not a lot of places, at least that I've been to where you can easily just go right off the beach and you're on yeah. a reef. Right. I mean, think this about Caribbean locations. Like you got to go on a boat to really see the good stuff. That was a big pleasant surprise. And then the fish diversity, um, blew my mind. The tang diversity, the surgeon fish diversity was a bit like a reality check where it may be on textbook, I knew that those fish occur in Hawaii, but to be in like one bay and see nasotangs, unicorn, to see, you know, um, God, Achilles, Achilles tangs, and convict tangs, and yellow yellows, tangs. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, the list went on, Dusamurai, right? Like, and what was the other interesting part was that the tangs that I always think like, ah, those things can get big. Like I wouldn't put one of those in anything but a really large tank. I, my brain always goes to a naso or even yep. sailfin tanks get huge, right? Yeah. I mean, but, a naso, a full-grown naso is not small enough for a six-foot tank, even an eight-foot tank. When you, when you see those fish, they're built for swimming. But know? what was amazing is that they were dwarfed by the Achilles and Dusamurai tanks. Like the Dusamurai yeah. were like groupers. I mean, they were like these Goliath grouper they're tanks so, swimming around. They're thicker than most fishes are long. Yeah. Most people's fishes are, are long. Yeah. I, I recently saw a big assortment of large surgeon fish um, at the downtown aquarium in Houston. Very small, very cute little aquarium, um, but tons of very large, uh, clearly rescued uh, surgeon fish, many acanthurus and zebrasoma species, but and nasos. Um, 
what else did you do in Hawaii? Got you got your dive on. You, you got to see some monopora capitata, possopora demicornis, and parites. <laughs> yeah, I saw only one fungi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, yeah. I spotted it and I was happy to see it. Uh, I saw a blue throat trigger. That was kind of fun because I that they weren't as common. You know, that was just a neat like, oh shoot, look at that guy. Um, I did some hiking, which was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody there, huh? Did you go skiing? No. It's one of the few, I know they have a few like token bunny hills up there, but uh, so I guess it's one of the few places in the world where you can go diving and skiing in the same day. Yeah, no, my, so I celebrated my birthday there and it was uh, probably one of my best birthdays because I got up, I had like a nice breakfast buffet, went on a huge hike on the north side of Maui, which I love hiking, backpacking. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, I hit one of the bays and we had an awesome snorkeling and my kids loved you know, they took the snorkeling really well. So that was also because it's not it's fun if your so kids fun. hate it and you're trying to have a good time, right? It's got to so. be so fun taking your family to a marine habitat and you can answer almost all their questions. Yeah. And the other part Daddy, was what's that? Uh, what's this? You know, like my six-year-old was scared at first, right? And he's like, I want to go back. I want to go back. And I was like, nah, come on, man, you can do this. And I was, he was holding onto my hand. And then the minute he spotted a sea turtle, it was like, all right. Like he just like grabbed my hand and he took off and I was like, whoa, 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 you can't go off on your own, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, if the sea turtle is doing good, you know, it's a gentle creature. It must be fine. Yeah. I think it just shut off the fear and the wonderment took over, right? So that was cool. Oh, that's good. Um, and then I ate at a, like a, a good restaurant with a good view and I was like, man, this is a pretty good birthday. So. How was your happy belated birthday? Thank you. Um, how was your, re- your tank when you returned? Good. Everything was solid. Uh. I did order a new skimmer and I just left it in the box, right? Like I, I knew better than to put something new on the tank. Um, but I think it's funny that you order that you selected this skimmer for one feature that has failed to propagate throughout the reef aquarium hobby. Go ahead and tell them what it is. Oh yeah, so I did. I did pick up a Deltec skimmer, um, and yeah, I mean, it, for the most part, it was. Uh, it's just I wanted a skimmer with a wiper, and I also wanted a skimmer with a DC pump because um, in case in point, right, I run my sump level pretty deep, mm-hmm. and I find that that reduces the head pressure on the pump quite a bit, and then you end up with, um, you know, skimmers overflowing. You end up with really turbulent bubbles. So I like the idea of a DC pump being able to turn it down and having the, the bubbling calm a bit so that, you know, you can get a nice head of foam in a, in a deeper sump water level. Um, I don't want to be putting my skimmer up on a stand on it, but the wiper was the big thing because I just, I like to skim wet. That was the other thing. And my little skimmer uh, fills up skim pretty quick. Wet. So when I skim wet, I only do it for like a little bit at a time. And, you know, when I'm messing with the tank or I dose something recently or um, just trying to do a concentrated water change. So I don't run wet full time. Do you get like um, that carbohydrate buildup that's more common with like downdrafts and stuff? Carbohydrate? What do you mean? Well, it's just kind of like kind of like light colored and like fluffy instead of real dark and, and gross. Yeah, yeah. And, and part of it too is I don't do it all the time, but I have, um, because I two part dose and my salinity creeps a bit. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of, you know, and I'm, this is something I haven't been able to prove out because my skimmer was really too small to collect enough at a given time, unless I want to empty the cup like every day. Um, so having a slightly larger skimmer cup, I was hopeful and with a drain and with a wiper where I just drain it into a pitcher, I thought, 
maybe I can start to figure out a, a balance where I wet skim to get the salinity in check or just reduce the creep a bit, you know. So. Right. But well, to your you point, I mean, I, it's it's an, it's a nice skimmer. It has some nice features. Do I wish things were, some things were different on it? Sure. Um, but, you know, to your point, like, I didn't really want to spend that much on a skimmer, but... Um, my options for a manual wiper were like two skimmers. And yes, I could right. have gotten an electronic one. But the idea is that you, to me, the the lid still gets dirty, right? So you still want to eventually clean what the bubbles bounce up against. So it's just nice with these manual heads. You just turn it once a day while you're feeding your fish. And then like mm-hmm. maybe once every week or two, you just pull the lid out and just rinse that in the sink. You pop it back in. And then the rest of the time, you just drain the cup into a pitcher and pour that out. And life is so much easier. And a you lot know, of these thing- cups are a pain to remove anyway, right? So- yeah. I'll, I'll, I I have almost no two of any skimmer. I have like eight different skimmers by design. Like I want to see what all these are up to. Yeah. And some of them have real nice snap lock. Some of them twist lock. Some of them a bayonet fitting. Some of them just compression fitting. Um, but one thing that like this is a really simple uh, benefit of the Red Sea Reefer Skimmer. It's threefold. It's got a large, you know, integrated uh, neck wiper. Mm-hmm. It has a large cup because what's the point of wiping down the skimmer cup? It was skimmer neck. If you still have to like empty it, you know, every ten days or something, it's got a big one. Like I could, I could easily go two months, but we don't ever do that. And it's got um, you know, like that, that window through yeah, the cup to the that's neck. That's a good which, design feature. And so I can, you know, basically I, we will wipe down the neck once a week, not even once a day. Um, obviously, if I had a, one tank, I might be a little bit more attentive to that one skimmer. Um, but yeah, those are three fun features. Just just that, not even talking about the conical body or the affordable price or, you know, it's the fact that it, you know, it's a really good skimmer for the price. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of surprised that the the manual neck cleaner hasn't taken off more because man, I've had um, uh, automatic neck cleaners. And it's just, it's a freaking circus trying to take things apart just so yeah. you can get the cup off yeah. to, you know, kind of clean it up. Like, you know, when you wipe down the neck, you, you make little sludge balls that will hopefully eventually kind of bubble out. And, you know, all right, you can have that cup go down to like a waste collector. But over time, it's just going to be nasty. I don't want anything to become nasty in my tanks inside or, or you know, going out of the tank. That's, that's not my jam. Well, it's just another thing I got to plug in and, and you know me, I actually like automation and controllers, but it's to a point, right? And yeah. for something that takes me Where two seconds matters. to do, right. Why automate something that takes two seconds a day and you don't even have to do it every day. You do it every week, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no. And so I, I debated going Red Sea after watching your video and then ordering the CJADC retrofit for it, but mm-hmm. I don't know, the laziness set in where I was like, well... Yeah, okay, or I could just get the Deltec, which already has a DC pump. My only um, complaint is the controller on the DC pump with the Deltec feels cheap, and that's not to say that it is, right? I mean, it's a Honda Accord is more reliable than the feel and quality of a Mercedes or BMW mm-hmm. probably, but it just feels like not something, I don't I don't know. I was just a little bit like I held the controller. What is the cost difference between high-quality buttons and like bargain basement yeah, that's, bu- buttons? Are we talking 10 to 25 cents? You know, is that the difference right there? Like, come on, guys. I, I swear, you know, one of the things that 
will tell you a lot about a product is just the feel of it, right? Yeah. So anytime I get something with product with buttons on it, I, I feel them out. And if they're mushy and or one's mushy and the next one's fine, you just know there's not that same attention to details. But, you know, for controllable uh, protein skimmer pump, you don't have to mess with it too much. True. My only concern with those is it has, what, six speed settings or ten? I have a good question. I don't know. I think it was like seven or eight, but maybe yeah, it's, it's, it's just only... like this weird number. I, oh man, what was it back in the day? Back in the day, it was six. That was kind of like, like the common yeah. G bow based, you know, uh, controllable DC pump. And you, you, in your mind, you can't even do the math easily. Like, all right, a hundred divided by six. What is that? 12.5 <laughs> or something. I'm, I'm sure my math is wrong. Yeah, that would be eight. Exactly. Prove prove my own point with my bad math, but um, but yeah, I'm really surprised the the manual neck cleaner is not something that has it's, uh, it's like spread a, in the aquarium hobby. But I it, on my list of things to do is build a DIY solution for all of my protein skimmers. Um, and after you got that skimmer, I started like racking my brain. So I got a cool idea for um, a, you know DIY manual neck cleaner. Um, I'm excited to try it out in the future. Like I know one guy, uh, he just has a, um, not a spatula, what do you call those things to like get everything out of a jar, you know, uh, it's like a squeegee. That, that, that is a spatula. A lot of people call flippers a spatula. Okay. But what you're talking about is actually a spatula. Yeah. And he just keeps one of those by a skimmer and he does it every once in a while. But I'm, you know, again, it the, having the lid with um, something to grip and turn, it's it's so elementary that every skimmer should do it. I don't understand why they don't, especially if you're going to make your your uh, skimmer cup a pain in the butt to remove in the first place, you know? You know, speaking of like a uh, pain in the butt uh, protein skimmer cups, I still remember how the Royal Exclusive uh, protein skimmer cup had a female thread on the cup. Oh, right. You just screw it on, right? And then the Vertex Aquaristic had a male thread. I might have gotten those backwards. But I'm just like, what are you doing? Why do I want to sit here and twist this thing, you know, six, seven times fully around? Like, this is not a high pressure. If it was an external protein skimmer, fine. Totally. Give me the threaded cup thingamajiggy. You know, show off your lathing skills. But otherwise, like, get some really nice, you know, compression fittings. That's one thing I can say about the, um, the Ultra Reef protein skimmer. They have some unique gasket design that i showed you when you were here mm -hmm. and it's not too hard but it's really firm when it locks into place and i've never seen that exact um gasket it's not just no ring um so that's a, that's a really cool one i think the, i think the hardest one to pull off is going to be the red sea because i think it has dual very thick o-rings <laughs> yeah i all of the skimmers i've had in the past i always remove the o-ring and just let it sit, you know, and do you get a tiny bit of leakage? Sure, but it's mm -hmm. sitting in my sump, who cares? But then I can just lift the cup out, you know? <laughs> I have the same thing with my Nios. It, it's, you know, I'm not even, it, there's just no motivation to go there and, and try to clean up whatever might be obstructing it for making a full seal. I'm like, um, it's trickling back into the tank. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> who cares? Well, you have so many different types of skimmers. Do you, do you ever forget? the mechanism of like, oh, wait, this one you got to turn this way or this one. I mean, does that or 
No, I, I've stopped using any, I mean, any of the threaded protein skimmers. So I don't use a row exclusive or uh, vertex. I still have the bodies on the shelf though. Um, I think almost everything I have is going to be a bayonet fitting like the, uh, Nios. Um, everything else is a kind of compression style. The Tunzi just kind of falls right in. Um, the only, uh, kind of tricky one slightly is a um the max spec air aqua duo it has a kind of like dual clamps that kind of slide out of the way and mm. i think that's an oval shaped cup so that would be a really hard one uh to produce a diy net cleaner oh, like i don't I'm, we do it all the time um you know we, we clean all the skimmers once a week just because we can we try to keep everything super clean as much as possible nice yeah yeah no I'd, uh, i got I was relieved that I came back and everything looked tip-top shape. And, you know, I, I checked the When you the walk webcam. into the house, yeah. when things sound right, oh, isn't yeah. that your first notice that everything yeah. is probably fine? Yep. Yeah. If it sounds right and smells right, you're like, all right, I'm going to walk around. I'm going to turn this corner. There's a 95% chance everything's going to be fine. A little algae on the glass, no big deal. Yeah, I'm telling you, webcams are a godsend too because you can just check and go, if I see fish swimming and things look I fine. I see fish swimming normally. Yeah. You know? So I have one wide-angle webcam over everything and I can't see the polyps. I can't see the breathing. But I, when I see that big blue fish with a yellow tail swimming around like he should at the, you know, on a certain time of day, I'm like, oh, it's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Yeah, I mean, maybe you lost a coral, like Frag decided just to burn out on itself. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like... The, the holistic system is still functioning as it should. Mm -hmm. so, but yeah, so it was good. It was good to come back. And uh, I, it's funny, I actually missed my tank a bit. Um, and I That's think maybe. That's a good uh, feeling to have. Yeah, I think all the snorkeling and seeing corals and fish, you know, <laughs> you're like, oh man, I wonder how my tank's doing. You know, you start to think about it a bit more. Um, I went to the Maui Aquarium or Ocean Area, Maui Ocean Center. And I would recommend that if you anybody ever goes to Hawaii because. Basically, all of their indoor displays, they were like, oh, let's just use some coral, you know. So, it's like everything's a reef tank, even if they're, the thing on display is not the coral. Yeah. Um, and sort of on our subject of our discussion, they didn't wedge three billion frags in. It would be like one little pile of rocks, you know, in a neat shape. And then maybe five corals. And those they corals just were called big. up Waikiki and be like, hey, can you just send us some overflow? You yeah. have some surplus. We could just take off your hands. Sure. Thanks. Yeah, it was cool. It was like one one tank just had some Pasilopora and a fungia. And that was it. I was like, nice. that's awesome. It looked great, you know. Very nice. So but yeah, that's I guess that's all I say about that. But yeah. Um well I started uh so I've been running my mode rack as a quarantine system for a long time, yeah. but I haven't had it chock full of fish for, man, maybe like two years. I think the top row has been empty for at least a year and a half. And so I already went ahead and set that up as a standalone anemone holding system so I can start shuffling anemones out of there. And um, yeah, now I'm like really motivated to get the last few fish I have to, you know, cross off the list, get them through quarantine, get them where they're going to go and then make a whole anemone system. Because when I do that, then 
one, uh, you know, I'll have the option to take all the baskets out of my tanks and that will increase flow and just give it overall better presentation. But man, the easiest way to, to propagate soft coils is just put them in a basket that's with good perforations with some rubble, let them attach and then glue that to whatever you want. Yeah. And uh, man, you saw I got a ton of soft corals that <laughs> I just keep moving them aside as they get bigger. It's like move aside, move aside, let the acros grow. <laughs> and so I'm just really excited to to start propagating some fun soft corals uh, because, I mean, they just make a really great um, contrast to our, our very rigid uh, stony coral tanks. You know me, man. I love softies. That's sort of the, the zone I've been um, hanging out in for quite a while now is just letting them get big too. And softies get big quick and they're but they don't easy. have to be big to look beautiful oh, that's true. the thing yeah. you know a frag of acro it sure looks amazing at one inch but that's not its natural form and then it has kind of intermediate stage but it's not until it's almost any acro until it's like a foot or two foot across that you can really appreciate its colony shape and it's not so much the same with the soft corals you can appreciate a frag that's beauty about just as much as uh you know a large colony maybe even more so because some of my larger simularias and nephthias and sarcophytons when they're really big they just crowd themselves and they, they, the mm. polyps can't open up as much like the polyps are really open but there's so much tissue there that it's just like really you know squishing the colony in on itself and that's actually how it looks in nature but if you dive a little bit deeper sometimes you'll find these soft coral stragglers and um you just see one delicate little piece of capnella every time you're like oh hey that looks pretty neat yeah yeah so I got to, I, I was going to talk about some more stuff, just kind of like what's been going around the studio. Um, I definitely want to direct some folks to check out the video I shared, uh, yesterday on, uh, the weeping willow anemone cube. Man, like if yeah, I, if you, describing was... this thing is actually sounds dumb, right? It's just a box with seven bubble tip anemones, jade green, dark background, whatever. But then every single tentacle had a bright orange, orangey pink tip. This was at Aquarium Design Group, and again for like a minute or two, I couldn't f I couldn't focus on what I was seeing because it looked like the like a giant elegance coral because all seven anemones right. were just kind of merged those together. Tips. Yeah. Oh my god, it was just like watching fireworks. It was it was so cool, and it's just like an awesome example. Rewind. Bubble tip anemones have gotten really um, popular. Right. The Colorado Sunburst is, you know, kind of staged a market price for high end uh, uh, bubble tip anemones. Um, we got the Lemon Drop, the Chicago Sunburst. I think those are supposedly the same. We got the Sherman Tank and, and people in this Nexus Burst and people are trying to do the, what they did with anemones, what they did with corals, give them funky names, hype them out. And because they can be propagated, there's a lot of speculation driving up the cost, yada, yada, yada. So a handful of weeks back, I got a bulk deal or bulk lot, I guess, on somebody's tank that was being torn down. And it came with two green bubble tip anemones, um, very jade, not even, not even colored tips, you know? And I was looking at these, and I was like, huh, why aren't there much more attractive green bubble tip anemones? Cause there's plenty of reds and oranges and scribbled and funky tips. Cause these are like irredeemably just jade and not even neon green. <laughs> so then when I get to the Graham design group, a couple of weeks after I got these green bubble tips, I see this tank. I'm like, Oh my God, it's just about the presentation. 
You know, there's a lot to the presentation that will help um, that animal blossom and really just show you something new. And uh, so that was one tank that I didn't reference, uh, you know, a few sessions back. Um, but I've, you know, I've been talking and working with the, uh, the guys at Carbon Design Group a lot. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to work on some stuff. We're going to work on some stuff to just make some very aesthetic aquariums, regardless of what's inside. The thing that irked me about that tank is that uh, a little bit more than a year ago, I was trying not to do what they did. I mean, they really knocked it out of the park, but I bought a Red Sea Cube all in one. I put mm -hmm. it up in a busy part of the house because my reef was, my big reef was in the basement, but we missed having something in the busy part of the house. And my attain, one of my more attainable Holy Grail fish, like one that I could actually afford were the Lattice and Addis Clowns. And mm -hmm. I was going to do a bubble tip cube just a bunch of different bubble tips with some lats clowns. And that's what's just going to be in the, the playroom where the kids do their thing. And for some reason, even though I've kept bubble tips and they've reproduced to the point that they were just annoying, uh, the bubble tips in that system just kept withering away. And I think we talked about it, that maybe the clowns were too big for the no. size anemones I was no, getting. No, they have... I'm putting a name on it because okay. we haven't put a name on it. There's a reason I accelerated the development of, you know, my uh, anemone holding system because af shortly after I got those green bubble tips, my pizza anems started getting smaller. Really? And I believe that there's a an infection that people have been treating with Cipro, but they haven't put a name to it. So I'm going to call it consumption. That's the old name for cancer. If you didn't know, because the anemone just gets smaller and smaller yeah, and smaller. That's exactly so, what was happening. Yeah. 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 So, and was, <laughs> funny, funny aside, we acquired some content, um, a number of years ago. So if you type in like anemone Cipro treatment, it takes you to refillers. And it's just funny because that content was folded into the website, but it was backdated. So I never really saw it. So it was so funny to me to do a search for anemone Cipro treatment and find that article. I believe it was by Ellery Wong, but he was referencing an original article that was or post that was thread that was started on reef central about how to use a flip, uh, Cipro floxacin to treat this consumption disease. No one's put a name on it, but it causes bubble tips to get short ratty tentacles and yeah. eventually shrivel up and die. Um, and I think it's causing my pizza nems to, you know, slowly get smaller. And I think it's also causing my, my red carpet and I mean, to just kind of constantly gape. Well, it was like frustrating because, you know, I, well, the anemones were dwindling into tiny little nubs. Then I lost you had the one consumption, of, bro. Yeah. The anemone consumption. And I had the lats, one of the lats jumps, and then I just had one lats. And it's just like the whole the whole idea fell apart. And I, I finally just, you know, since I moved the tank back upstairs, I just said, screw this. I, I turned it into a freshwater planted tank for a while. But then you, you posted that uh, article, and I was like, man, that's exactly what I was trying. To, that's That would have been a dream to have it look that good. But like... That's I was I was happy and excited to see it, but that just brought back some memories of like my failures. <laughs> no, it wasn't your failures. The anemone was sick, but no yeah. one's. You know, we 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 have a handle on parasites, on pests, right? When it comes to corals, we know to look for tiny little scurrying bugs that shouldn't be there. You and I, we're patient zero 
for Tagastes Acroporanus. You named them red bugs in the original thread on Reef Central. Red bugs, you know, share your experiences. Literally 20 years ago, I had them long. keyed out as Tagastes Acroporanus. I think that name has since been changed. But, you know, we've, we've, been very aware of macro parasites and macro infections of a lot of different types. But when it comes to bacterial infections, viral infections, wait for it, fungal infections, we just simply don't have the tools to just make a scraping and put it under a very expensive microscope and know what we're looking at. Yeah. Well, it's the same way with the clams, right? We talked about tridacnid. Yep. I I bought a blue squamosa. It's next to a duracea. The duracea is growing. The squamosa withered away. Squamosas are, in my opinion, fairly hardy. I don't know if the blues are a little less hardy, but... Well, that's half crochet, so it makes it a little bit less hardy. But at the same rate, it's like, how do two clams sitting right next to each other, there's no snails, right? Um, How does one... not deposit any calcification on its shell and then eventually just die. And the other one's growing bonkers, right? It's there's something up with that. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're still figuring like navigating our way through this giant science experiment. That is the reef aquarium hobby. And, um, I think that's what happened to your anemones. I think that's, you know, some of the thing that's, that's happening. Um, ciprofloxacin has become a lot harder to get. I saw chewy just restocked. Um, I looked, I looked, I looked forever on Monday. I got so desperate. I literally scheduled an appointment for my sea anemone at the local vet. The, the receptionist <laughs> turned me, you know, try to shoot me down twice. And third time I was like, please just let me talk to the doctor and I can explain to her that there's no science around all of this there is no peer-reviewed literature there is no academic training to treat these these mystery ailments but there's a small body of online published um, documentation showing that this treatment is very beneficial for a lot of anemones and then finally she's like all right you know we're kind of booked up put me on the cancel list but now i found the the stuff on chewy so um i should be good and not have to pay for the vet visit so yeah that's how desperate i was to, to to treat this um potential mystery anemone consumption i couldn't convince my vet uh for the red bug treatment so i had to order that um what is it um from canada <laughs> i i ordered it from australia <laughs> Inter- interceptor yeah interceptor um which is a shame right that you have to go that far and then i mean like i said i think chloroquine phosphate is like the the it's like solid gold when it comes to prophylactically quarantining and treating your fish and even mm-hmm. that's really hard to get to now it's it's frustrating yeah all right. Well, I think we got enough off our chest, you know, the beginning of this therapy session. And, uh, oh man, we have, we have a really push button topic to discuss, to expound on this session of reef therapy. Yeah. And, and it- I just, I simply don't believe that reef aquariums are as expensive as people think. Well, so, I mean, there's a lot of YouTube stuff going out there now about you know and it's funny because we've railed about you know high price corals and stuff but it's like now there's this thing about the hobbies getting too expensive some of that is triggered by some of the brs activity um some of it's i think just the pricing on some of the equipment but um i i think you and i agree on the holistic level but i also 
I can sympathize with some of the sentiments that are out there around that too. I will put my head on the chopping block because for 15 years, my career has been built on talking about, discussing, hyping, being excited about new and promising reef aquarium gear. I will gladly take my share of the blame because I know that 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 is what I do. That is my job description. But between the lines, one, I believe that higher performance gear is going to reduce problems. It's going to reduce losses, which are costly, and it's going to increase your overall experience. And I think, you know, a lot of this higher end reef gear was tailored for lifers like you and me who realize that if we buy, you know, a good return pump, man, you're going to have that pump on five, six tanks over eight, 12, 15 years. This is before a power supply was involved. Now there's a power supply that's probably going to be the weak link, but you can replace that and your pump's good to go. But man, I got some mag drives been kicking around doing utility work for like 12 to 15 years. Yeah. You know, I don't even, I've never even opened them. I never open because I don't, I don't use them. I use them for like utility applications, but on the flip side, you know, what gets lost in the messaging is how often I'm really trying to beat the drum of products that will actually solve a problem and, and reduce issues. You know, um, a perfect case in point is a couple weeks ago, I did an entire video on, uh, you know, second installment of reefology on the reef builders, YouTube channel, talking about float valves, float valves. They are analog, take no power. I've never had one fail and they cost $10 or less versus an ATO machine, which is $200. The same reefers who are, are complaining or whining or just putting it out there that reef aquarium hobby is expensive. They have an ATO machine on all their tanks. I was like, what, what, what are you doing? Yeah. You're replacing an analog physics provided solution with a $200, you know, failure prone reef aquarium device. I, I really encourage folks to go check out that video because if you expand that to the flow for your tank, the protein skimmer for your tank, the lights for your tank, you'll see that there is a lot of savings to be had by thinking a little bit more quickly about the equipment you, you purchase versus just buying whatever's on the shelf uh, virtually or in real life. Yeah, I mean, I think the reality is it doesn't have to be an expensive hobby, right? And you and I have been in it long enough and and we've set up the, you know, all glass or now Acreon, whatever, you know, like PetSmart, Petco tank. We've, we've, I mean, that's how I started, right? I mean, before we started talking, I noticed your t-shirt and I miserably failed at my first saltwater aquarium when I was a kid. I was like 13 years old and Yes. Okay. Well, how does a 13 year old set up a reef tank? But I didn't, I set up a 55 gallon saltwater tank. Um, after have been having really been obsessed with the freshwater hobby for a long time. And I failed miserably because it was crushed coral under gravel filter. Um, and you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, 
And then I didn't keep salt water in high school. I kept fresh water. And then freshman year in college, I read an article by the guy on your shirt where he basically brought up the leach-in thing. And he just said, look, really, like if it's if you just want to keep some nice saltwater fish and some nice invertebrates, just get some live rock. That's what when live rock was still available. Put some fluorescent daylight spectrum tubes, maybe throw mm-hmm. in an actinic bulb. And put a hang on the back filter on the back and just, you know, do water changes from time to time. And I did that and I suddenly succeeded, right? Suddenly I had this really cool tank and things were growing and was I keeping SPS? Of course not. Um, and so, but I, I think, uh, so So the reality is it doesn't have to be expensive because nothing's changed there. Um, I, th- I, think, but you know, I think, like, well, what, what I was going to say is, and this happens in my workplace too, right? There's perception and reality. And unfortunately, perception becomes the reality for many people. And my my thing is that if you, and I'm not talking about you, I mean, you're, you're in the business of reviewing new and exciting things and developments and equipment in the hobby. But I'm talking about just general YouTubers, Instagrammers. Again, we've talked about that ad nauseum. If you're a newbie jumping in, your perception is... Holy crap! This is this looks like a very expensive luxury hobby because that is what is glorified on those platforms, right? Let me say that when I started the studio, before I had the the, the coral flats and all the fancy displays that I had here, I set up a token nano reef tank with an all-in-one light. I used the freaking all-in-one light with just whatever internal mm-hmm. power filter is in there. You can go back, check a reef builders, look for nano reef tank or reef builders YouTube channel. You'll see videos of this tank. I don't think that tank cost a hundred bucks. I put hammer corals in there, uh, green polyp sarcophyton, a little bit of candy coral and alve- you know, you know, a few f- a cheap goniopore frags on the side. Altogether, that one nano reef, I had it going for, I don't know, seven, eight, nine months um, until like sunlight was really baking it because, you know, through the seasons it was coming through the window and baking that thing um but yeah set up a token reef tank the 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 tank with all the livestock like would have been i don't know maybe like 250 dollars because the tank and the cheapo light and the internal power filter and you know what was in the power filter nothing there was nothing in the power filter man there was no carbon there was no sponge maybe there was a little bit of sponge well and for as long as it, i've pump. known you right and i think you've always documented it uh you've always had like very like examples of very simple effective systems right yeah always. look up eco reef zero look up eco reef yeah. one look up zero reef east these are little nano reef tanks no rock no sand just a tiny little corner power filter. The only catch with those tiny little tanks is you need to cover them because otherwise they, you know, evaporate water really, really, really quickly. And this is something that I'm going to get back into very shortly in collaboration with um, Mike and Jeff Sinsky at Aquarium Design Group. Because, you know, that anemone cube that, you know, I shared the video of yesterday is basically that in, in, in large. And so him and I've been discussing him with him. Um, he wants to do like, I don't know, four or five in a window or something. He's asking me what light to use for it. I'm like, literally anything you can find on Amazon. Yeah. I don't care how cheap it is. Just give it a little bit of blue, you know, a little bit on some white or blue, no frills. And he picked up some, I think some Nicru or something. Um, like i don't know 25 30 dollars it's not even made for reef tanks maybe if it is branded for reef tanks but it's just a controllable multicolor um led kind of spotlight thing you know yeah but i feel like um i want to kind of set the uh the, the 
direction for the session, the two biggest misconceptions that are making people believe that reef tanks are expensive is, and probably the biggest one is that people can't see outside their online environment. Yes, exactly. That if that's, that is that's your a reef huge keeping one. universe, right? When reef aquarium pundit goes online and talks about online prices of online corals and online this and online that, I'm like, dude, get out of your little bubble. Like, yeah. go out into the world. I mean, I have multiple fish stores in my area that have you know very cheap mass produced tanks. They have used equipment. A protein skimmer body never gets old. Just get yourself, you know, a decent needle wheel pump and you're off to the races. Um, and, and deals, man. Like, here's the thing. No one is Instagramming about the $5 frag at their local fish store that they had to work on for exactly. a couple months until it's they a, grew into something. Yeah, I don't know how you're many You're looking times. through a lens, right? And that lens is shaping your perception. Right. A very, very narrow lens. Right. And I would say that's the biggest one because I, dude, I see screaming deals all the time. Even here's the, 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 the part that bridges the online and physical world is your local Facebook group, right? It used to be your local forum, right? Like the Atlanta Reef Club or Denver Area Reef Club or, you know, they used to be formed, but now it's the Facebook group. And I see cheap corals like you can you can you practically can't give away milk stylo which was once an obtainium you can't give away sprung sterner you know econopora it grows so fast i don't want it I because that. i know what it's gonna do i love hating that coral yeah <laughs> i don't hate loving it i love hating it i'm like i hate you for all the right reasons yeah <laughs> you know um uh and and the other one is that uh, I, I get it. I get it. You know, when when reef aquariums, saltwater aquariums, they were called then, were hard. Everybody was pushing for having higher performance gear because you're going to make a bigger investment. So you might as well invest more in all the stuff surrounded to it. And we've just kind of gone too far. And people don't realize that high clarity glass tanks are not the norm. Right. You know, they've become a lot more accessible. It's not a special order anymore. But I remember when it was a special order for an oceanic rimmed tank to just have high clarity glass just on the front. And now these guys are making it all around. Like, why is the back glass high clarity? I had <laughs> to ask for regular glass on my tank, that's, by the way. That's I had to the ask other for thing. <laughs> that's the thing, you know. No, no one's really asking for cheaper gear or cheaper options. But you, there's no reason you can't pick and choose from used equipment and freshwater equipment. And well, I, I want to yeah. say one more thing. Mm -hmm. In all my years of visiting reef tanks and covering reef tanks, by and large, with very few exceptions, there is an inverse correlation between the quality of the gear on the tank and the quality of the display on the tank. People think that I'm going to buy the best pump, the best skimmer, the best light, the best tank, best rock, best this and that, and my tank is going to be the best. And because they put all their focus and their um, attention on the technical specs, they didn't really learn the art of keeping the corals happy, keeping the fish happy, and making a, a beautiful aquarium display and i have a lot of blame for that because i've been promoting new gear from all around the world and high-tech stuff for a long time oh god i love i love these therapy sessions yeah but for, so 
And the reason I'm sympathetic to some of the complaints is because you're right, used equipment, right? Whether you're in photography, guitars, you know, if you're getting into something, the one and you join any of the forums about, you know, photography or or, or like in my case, like guitar playing or anything else. Uh, and a newbie jumps on board and goes, you know, like, what's a good beginner guitar? Like, you'll always have the age, sage wisdom of like, dude, don't go buy a new guitar, you know, go buy a used guitar because you'll get a lot more bang for your buck. So to mm-hmm. your point on that, yes, you can find like last gen LED lights for much more affordable prices and stuff like that. But I also get that... um and 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 I'm trying to adjust my lens on Instagram, right? I'm actually now following people that are setting up these planted nano tanks with overflow filters, and they're using um, freshwater lights. And one guy had an awesome mangrove cube with soft corals out the wazoo, and he just has some of those par bulbs you used to use, right? That you just screw in that you can mm-hmm. buy off of eBay. But um, but that said, you go to bulk resupply, and you're like, I'm going to go buy a light for my tank, right? Mm-hmm. Um. There are not a lot of cheap options there on, in the new market. No, there's not. When I was and, talking to Jeff, I literally was looking around for so many of these tiny little freshwater lights that I've collected over the years. Yeah. And I can find them in other countries, but like piecemeal. But there's not. Here, here's the funky thing. I don't run any of my lights at 100%. No, me neither. Do you run your lights at 100%? No, they're at 60%. Right. So for the entire history of the reef aquarium hobby is like, you need more light. You need more light. You need more light. And now we have the brightest, most powerful, most controllable lights ever. And now we're all dialing them back. Even my high light Acropora tank, I don't run at a hundred percent blues at all the blues at hundred percent. Maybe, maybe warm whites at about 60, 70%. Because I like that warm coloration. The straight whites, they don't crack. They don't scratch at more than 40%. And that's my highlight tank because I have six of them on a, you know, four by seven foot area, you know, but we, we were spending so much for these super high performing gear and then we're not running it at, you know, at its to, to the extent that it was designed for. And then people want to complain that the reef aquarium hobby is too expensive. Like, oh, it's such a weird, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. But there's good, I mean, there are, it's, so, I mean, one thing is I would like to see more innovation in the affordable market, but that said, I mean, like up until a few days ago, I was running a bubble magus, magus, whatever you want to call it, skimmer. Mm-hmm. And I've run a mm-hmm. handful of those because you can get them with a CJ pump. The acrylic is thicker than on my Delta. They're nicely made skimmers and they run well and they're affordable, right? Current USA, like what happened to those guys? They used to produce some really good light strips that would grow soft corals, no problem. Mm-hmm. LPS, no problem. They were affordable. They even came with a little controller timer. They're, they're actually making, the, you know, I think they just got into the, the you know, SKUs yeah. and how many of each they could sell. You know, they really got into um, the direct-to-consumer market and Petco. But I have a $250 controllable bubble lens multi-channel looking thing that's been sitting on the shelf waiting for review that is probably going to put out the same amount of power as the current xr15 gen Gen 5 pro at the levels i'm running it at right Right. i'm pretty sure if i take that current usa run it at i don't know 80 90 100 it's going to match the levels i'm using with an on a net with an xr15 over my 24 inch cube right so it's 250 bucks right so it's 250 bucks 
but I, I, I guess I don't see much from the online vendors and it's not, I'm not going to put the blame on them necessarily, but uh, you know, I, there is products out there that should be endorsed for beginners that is effective. It works well. It's not like you're selling them crap, right? Like it's one thing that's like, oh, here's a really affordable light that's going to burn out on you because it has a shit power supply. Like you don't want to get into that business because that's where, you know, the cry once versus cry many, right? Buying cheap gear, cry many times, buy expensive gear, cry once. Yeah. I, I don't want to get that's into one that of the big ones, yeah. rabbit hole, right? Because there is affordable gear that is reasonably well built and, and deserves recognition. But, um, and then we talked about different types of reef aquariums. I think that's another issue is that the focus is on the SPS highlight. The, the high, reef crest. Here's, yeah. the, here's the thing that kills me. You see people building up a reef tank with... I'm not, I'm not going to generalize SPS because there's a lot of low light SPS, but everybody's building a, like an, an Acropora reef, an Acropora yeah. humulus reef for LPS corals. Yeah. Right. They'll, they'll get all the highest reef gear and then turn it way down and then complain that the hobby's too expensive, you know? So on the one hand, I have zero sy sympathy for people who can't get creative. This entire reef aquarium hobby was built on DIY ethos and thinking outside the box and looking at other fields like horticulture, freshwater, terrariums, Home Depot, like whatever, right? But, but I, I think but, I, but, but my sympathy does go out to the lack of messaging about it. Yeah, and, and I would I say take, if I take you were blame for that. a time traveler and you decided I'm going to get into reef keeping and you time traveled to 2002 and you jumped on the forums, the emphasis was very DIY, right? It was a it was a mark of pride. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily about building from scratch. It was about taking off the shelf stuff and making like modifications and tweaks like a skilter is a shit protein skimmer. Right, but with some tweaks, you can modify the uh, put airstone the impeller, in it. Yeah. Put an airstone in it. Put some silencer stuff on it. Like, there's so many things you could do, and that was so much of the joy of like making the gear work to our purposes. But because the reef aquarium hobby is so lucrative, um, you know, a lot of companies have seen that, and they've aimed for the top end of the market, and they're making products like it, you know, well, to, to to suit those needs. So when I really dove off the deep end in reef keeping, what did I have coming at me, right? I had articles from people telling me ways to set up a simple system. I had Garf, right, telling me mm -hmm. to get uh, oh, a VisiJet protein skimmer and some fluorescent tubes and, and have at it, boss. Um, you had a simplified reef keeping guy. He had like a website. You had um, one guy that had a... I mean, like there was a whole article, monthly article in one of the magazines, and it was all about a simple approach to keeping a marine aquarium. Yeah. I don't, I'm sure it's out there because everything exists on the internet now, right? You just got to know where to look, but it's just, that's not as front and center for a newbie, right? A newbie's not mm -hmm. stumbling onto guard. It's going to be intimidating when, you know, when we have an idea about anything, not even just aquariums. We go online and try to get it vetted, but our version of getting it vetted is usually just, you know, confirmation bias, yeah. right? You just look for enough people that agree with you. Like, all right, I must be on the right path, but you're not going to find that in this current climate. That's the problem. Yeah. It's not the gear. 
It's not the methods. It's the, the current mental philosophy about reef keeping, you know? Um, mm, that was a good one. That's, that's, that's actually a problem. But I do want to say that because I've gotten the studio and have, you know, you know, worked with like a thousand corals, a couple hundred fish and a dozen and change tanks over the last three years, I've really scratched that itch for the exotic and for the rare and for the unique. And I mean, ever since probably like the beginning of this year, um, hold on, I gotta, I gotta plug in. Otherwise my power is going to go out, <laughs> but I was going to say ever since the beginning of this year, um, I've realized that I miss the simple, and the healthy and the common stuff, you know, the old timers, they found all the cool corals and fish a long, long, long time ago. And, uh, I'm gonna grab my power supply. So you fill the air. No, I mean, that's what happened to me is I, I, I mean, the last 10, 15 years, I got crazy about SPS, uh, for, well, I got crazy about SPS in 2002, but I went down all of that. And, and then I was chasing all these different things. And then eventually, um, as I, I sort of took a step back, I just realized like, eh, you know what, what the internet is telling me is cool and like I should like, isn't it, isn't really like what I'm having as much fun with. And like, why, why do I get more excited when somebody posts a tank that's just littered with soft corals and is just densely overgrown? It's the same in the planted tank world. I don't like the neatly trimmed tanks. I love the... Um, I love the like low tech uh, planet tanks that are just overgrown, right? Um, that's just what has always uh, appealed to me. I mean, we talked about Walter 80 and algae turf scrubbers and dynamic core. Like that's th that for some reason, that whole realm just is what appeals to me. And so finally I was like, well, I'll just keep a couple of SPS, but I'm going to start, you know, getting back into more soft coral dominant tank and let them kind of go buck wild and, and and just you know enjoy seeing them f sway in the current and having that variety of um of of just moving things in the tank right and and letting things get overgrown and, and not worrying about all those the hiccups that come with SBS um and I'm I'm happier right now will I you know will I ever set up a Acropora dominant tank again sure I'm sure I will but just I don't know it's it's funny how you kind of come full circle. And you get back into some of the stuff that excited you from the beginning. I, I couldn't time. agree. I couldn't agree more. You know, um, it was exciting in the early days of reef builders to just like discover these fish that had always been bookfish or that we'd never heard about. And I went down all these, these paths and then I, I got all the fish and I'm just like, you know what? I still freaking love a stark eyed damselfish. Yeah. I still think there's almost nothing cooler than a Bengay cardinal fish. Yeah. You know, or a purple tang or a yellow tang or a damselfish. Damselfish are so freaking beautiful. Yes, yes, there's troubles down the road unless you just do damselfish in a 20-gallon tank. Oh, man. get Yeah, dotty backs are mean. They make a great species nano fish, though, you know? Yeah. Um, no, and that's that's the thing is that's where I've come full circle and – I'm sure some people are like, oh, why is this guy talking to Jake? He doesn't have an SPS Acropora dominated reef that's lit out the wazoo with a sump that looks like a nuclear power plant. I'm like, yeah, you're right, because that's not what I'm about anymore. I, I, may, I may in the future, but I love that back to basic, simplified kind of nature-y stuff, right? I mean, one thing I've said many times about the studio is that one of my favorite things is 
about the studio is not only what you can see, but what you can't see. Right. You know, it makes no sense to me. It, sure, it looks cool. It looks fun. It looks stimulating to have all the bells and gizmos and manifolds and valves and reactors everywhere. But man, all that stuff is upkeep. And if you're taking care of that stuff mechanically and not thinking about how it's impacting your tank, you're just decreasing the enjoyment of your tank, decreasing the success of your corals and your fish, and just have a mess and so many problems that can go wrong. But yeah, all my stuff is super bare bones. I was only, you know, the only thing to me that is like super fluous to some would be my Kalkwasser reactors. But I run, I run plenty of tanks with just Kalkwasser, super light dosing, protein skimmer, lots of water flow. Well, and I, I don't want to come off as a hypocrite because you, you mentioned a tank that was built for SPS to keep LPS. My tank's a perfect example of that, right? I've got expensive lights. I have an expensive skimmer. I know, now. but we're not complaining that the hobby's too expensive because this is our lifestyle. This is not just right. a, a thing we do on the side. And I'm, I'm in my running 40s that stuff for years. and yeah. I have a job and, and it's like I'm at a place in my life where I, I don't mind automating my dosing with a dosing pump and spending money that I don't need any of that to be successful, right? But it's just to make my life a little less make the hobby a little more enjoyable and less hands-on right like I, I i enjoy automation i enjoy controllers so yeah but i could i do it with a lot less absolutely yeah but let's talk about overpriced livestock for just a, for a little bit okay and then get into the you know the the reef aquarium gear that is making the hobby appear so much more ex expensive and inaccessible. But when it comes to livestock, man, I, I already said it one time, but like people don't hear you the first time. I'm telling you, green star polyps will make awesome. you so happy. Yeah. Clove polyps will make you so happy. You know the coolest corals on the planet? Gorgonians. Uh, it's like an SPS softy. They grow. A, they're awesome. They're just awesome. Mm -hmm. If you've never heard Gorgonians. Know. Um, purple. I mean... <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I'm, I'm predicting right now, the pendulum's going to swing back where people are, like, planted people, like, most, all right, there, I used to be part of a, uh, you know, a cabal of, of people who kept Eucephalandra and Ariocolin and these funky, rare, exotic plants, and I kept specimen tanks, and I sold them for a while. So, it's funny, I have, I've almost never sold corals, but I used to sell stems, they were freshwater plants by the stem. I was probably the first person in North America to keep Eucephalandra because it was on my radar. Um, but the vast majority of planted aquarium guys, they paint their tanks with the palette that's available to them. They don't care two what licks species is. Of, of whether something's rare or not. Yeah. They care about how it looks in the tank. Yeah. It's, it's like, is, um, it's, it's more like the function of it versus what it is exactly, right? We need a carpeting plant. We need a mid-ground plant. We need a background plant. We need an epiphyte. Right. I want this shape. I want these colors, these shades of green or those shades of reds or browns. And when it comes to aquascaping tanks, they don't, they don't, it doesn't matter how rare the plant is. Yeah. Okay. If some plants are hard to grow, fine. You grow those in a different tank. But when it comes to aquascaping, it is the tried and tested plants that by and large, you know, are great grand parents were growing in their tanks in the 20s and 30s i'm not i don't know how many generations back that is but you know it's like a good amazon sword you know 100 years ago still looks just as good today especially if it's in perfect health and that is what we one of the aspects that we're missing from the aquarium hobby anybody that says 
that corals are too expensive, call up any of these online vendors. Call them up, email them. I'm like, hey, what corals aren't you selling? Do you have any corals that can buy for $10? I am so serious. I'm telling you, everyone will be like, oh yeah, sure. I got a whole bunch of stuff. Because you want to know one of the reasons that corals are so expensive is because people are only buying the high-end stuff. And so, you know, these people that, that, that export corals, import corals, wholesale corals, retail corals, every time you buy some cherry stuff, you have to get some bread and butter around it. If the bread and butter is not selling, it makes the expensive stuff that much more expensive. It's this weird, like self-fulfilling, yeah. self-feeding fire. I think, I think a lot of these smaller vendors that you see with these crazy live sales I hate, that is how they etch out their existence is focusing on the luxury corals. Um, and I will, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, I say, go to your local fish store, right? Like there's a frag. There's usually like, hey, there's always the frag rack that's broken down by price. Like everything in this section is 20 bucks. This is 40 bucks. Um, but at the same rate, like on the online, I mean, there are some larger vendors where they just have their, their, their like live aquaria, their aquaculture section will have $30, $40 frags, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's getting less and less visible these days. Like it's all that, That's one of the bigger on problems the of this stuff. perception of right. access. I've heard that word so much in the last handful of days. I'm just kind of sick of it because you're just, this is your, your perception of access. Call, like... Call up the big guys, call up the big guys or email them or message them and ask them like, Hey, do you have stuff that's not selling? Dude, I do that all the time because the stuff that's not selling is usually going to be oddball stuff that I'm really into. Right. Um, your, your freshwater stores that you would never think to, to get corals from Petco. Petco gets decent corals, I think, from RA. Guess what? Nobody buys them because saltwater reefers are stuck in their bubble that they don't think to go to a Petco and see this commercial installation of coral frags, sometimes clams, just sitting there growing and growing and growing and growing for so long that you got to rip it off the rack, you know? Um, but yeah, your local fish stores. And then you know, another great place is your local Facebook, Facebook groups because you have people with jobs who just don't want to throw coral away. You know, and just be like, oh, like, me. like I know for a fact, <laughs> I know for a fact that there's a, a lot of wholesalers that are hacking and packing, uh, you know, the wild bread and butter stuff for $5 a frag. That's wholesale, right? So that means there are thousands upon thousands of corals throughout this country, at least, that, you know, have room to retail for 10 to $15. It might not always be in the best of shape. Because that's another thing that you're paying for is like that vitality and that presentation and and the booth at the Reef Aquarium Conference, um, you know, so you have a little bit of that premium. But if you reach but, out to these guys in the off hours, you can get some massive deals and you don't even have to try that hard. But that's the reality and that's the per, that is the, the world that you and I know. But if somebody down the street in my subdivision decides they're like, man, I really like that. I, I went to the I went to Hawaii on vacation and I went to the Maui Ocean Center and you know what I would love to build a reef like a saltwater aquarium with some corals in my tank and they go online they go to like a bulk reef supply they go to these coral sites they go to a trade show they go to a Macna or Reef of Palooza their perception 
is going to be like, holy crap, right? And so that's I the point is how agree. do we change that lens, right? Messaging. Right. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's just educating people that there's backroom corals. <laughs> you know, there's backroom lifestyle. It's almost like that, affordable reef keeping is like a subculture now, right? It's like. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. All right. All right. If, that, uh, this is a great time to mention um, that I don't see the value proposition in some of this cheaper stuff, this cheaper gear. I really don't. I, I am all for saving costs, but I'm in it for the long haul. And you see a lot of folks that are new to the hobby that, you know, first plug into their black box LED, no matter what name it's, it's running, and they are thrilled with it on day one. They're so happy with how their corals look two months later. Their tank has never been better a year later. But then like, you know, 18 months, two years, three years, that light has lost so much intensity because those they're cheap LEDs running super hot, you know, almost no heat sinking materials, which, you know, another light is trying to make the norm. <laughs> and this just cheap. And here's another thing. Uh, powerheads, powerheads and um, water pumps. There's a, there's a reason this stuff is bargain basement price. And someone was astonished that I made the claim that some of the generic, uh, water pumps lose their magnetization over time. And I'm like, do you think those are like natural magnets that they're shaping out of the ground into an impeller? No, they're magnetized. Anything that can be magnetized can be demagnetized. You know how they magnetize stuff? Do you, do you know how to magnetize like ferric uh, uh, materials? I, I briefly recall from science. Yeah. Heat. Yeah. Heat. So if you have a pump, a cheap pump that runs really hot, Guess what? Over time, it's going to lose its magnetization and it's literally going to lose power. I challenge anyone who has a one-year-old or two-year-old G-Bow or comparable water pump or return pump or flow pump and a brand new one, just put those side by side. Just because day one, sure, they're fine. But they, when they run in a super hot environment, uh, you know, they will literally lose their magnetization and therefore their power. And I don't see see the value for a lot of things, right? You wouldn't buy a cheap heater. No. And you know. I, I mean, we've, I think we've talked about this before when you're in the business of keeping an organism alive. And in some cases, one that was taken out of the wild, it's sort of like, there's a moral obligation to not go on the cheap either, right? Like do your best to keep that animal alive. You know, it's, Absolutely. it's not a disposable thing. Um, but I also, I mean, in every hobby, I mean, like you could probably see behind me some fly reels, right? Fly fishing, something I like to do too. People come to me for advice and there's ways that you can help somebody and say, okay, let's say you have 200 bucks to spend on a fly rod and reel. Put all of that money in the rod because the reel doesn't matter as much, right? A, four, a $20 reel and a $200 reel, they do the same thing, Right. Whereas I'm nodding. I'm not, I don't really know, okay, but, but I'm just, but, I'm disagreeing with you. <laughs> so it, so really like you're not gaining, there's a diminishing return in, on the reels. Whereas I feel like with a nice quality rod, you're going to have much more, you know, success, better feel, whatever, better casting. Um, and I, I, the same in aquariums, right? I mean, lights are expensive, but considering that corals use light to grow and live, you know, don't skimp on a heater. Don't skimp on the lights. 
you can find pumps that are not crazy, vo- you know, Ecotech MP40 expensive. Uh, I will that never are snub- successful and like are fairly reliable, right? Like you I'll can never. Sn- I'll never snub someone who's using a mag drive return pump right. that they bought used and maxi jet power heads that are just going forever and ever. So right. the alternative to some of this, you know, uh, cheapo new stuff is quality secondhand stuff. Yeah. The reef equipment hobby is so big and so just incredibly large. Like, you know, to you and I, it's like freaking astounding. Um, but it's, used you know just ecotech gear or cche gear you're you're just you're gonna use that forever and ever and ever yes there will be some parts that'll be replaced but you know um you know a brushless dc motor with sine sine wave power signal with a highly engineered bearing surfaces uh, with wi-fi and bluetooth app control do you think that's a camry or a mercedes-benz like just think about that for a second. You know, we just we we had like this phase shift where everything was just DIY and just kind of repurposed, and we're running our tanks with power heads, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have the now we have these super crazy, you know, DC controllable propeller pumps, and then vortex are magnetically coupled. Do you think that stuff is cheap? Right. It's not, but when it's when it's used, you know, when people are, are done with it. It's a it's a very good value to buy secondhand stuff. I'll tell you what, man. I think we're going to see uh, Radeon Gen fours and certain CJ pumps and protein skimmers and Kessels. I mean, those always get a great price on the secondary market. When you see black box LEDs that someone's trying to sell that they've used for a little while, it's like fifty bucks or three for a hundred bucks because there's no value left in them. Unless you refitted all the LEDs and, you know, try to fix it up somehow, but then you'd spend more than the the cost of the fixture itself, you know? So there is a lot of ways, but. Well, and I think people also think of like the end game sometimes. It's like, hey, I'm getting into the reef hobby. What do you suggest? And it's like, well, you may as well get two XR30s because one day you're going to want to keep SBS. Like, well, (laughs) yeah, that's true. (laughs) I have been advising almost everyone against XR30s now. Just get multiple XR15s, right? Because the Gen Five is just like a crazy level of performance, and which is funny because I've been talking to some people that have been uh, suggested an XR15s too, and they're like, "My star keeps telling me to get XR30s." I'm like, "That's because XR everyone wants XR15s, and there's a lot of supply of XR30s and not the 15s, you know." So we've definitely reached a plateau of like crazy awesome performance, and um, yeah, I mean. But do you think, and I'm not saying there's an obligation here, right? But do you think that if we're at that point where you're got to run an XR30 at like much lower percentage on your average reef tank, why not bring in an XR5 or something that'll light up a two by two space? And there are examples of that, right? Kessel, I think has the, uh, the 150, um, go, go start introducing lower wattage equivalents because we're like, Hey, we're, we've hit. We've hit a point in in our ability to put lights above your tank that is at such an insane level that now we can maybe circle back and say, hey, that guy that's setting up a 75-gallon tank for the first time, just get two of these $200 Ecotech lights. And I'm not sure if that's in their interest, right? Maybe they want to stay on the on the, the bleeding both, edge, right? right? Like but, if you're a company and... J- you know, you employ a hundred to two hundred people, and you've made it this far selling higher end stuff. What is really compelling you to make mid grade stuff? I'm not even talking about lower end yeah. gear, but mid grade stuff because you know 
some of these companies, they'll never release something that's not controllable. But when I was talking to Jeff Sensky about his nanotanks, I'm like, buy literally anything. Yeah. Like, you know, for $200, you should be able to get like six different nano lights, you know, throw away the ones you like and get more of the ones you, you know, throw away the ones you don't like and get more of the ones that you do like. And you, there's just so little risk. Okay. My introduction to LED uh, lighting was on EcoReef 1 and that became EcoReef 0. I used these tiny little PAR 16, you know, spotlights that y- I had to piece together my own spectrum with the blue and the royal blue, and the white and the cool and the warm white. And it was fun. It was so much fun for the nano tanks. Um, I'm, I'm really tempted to, to set up one again for my, uh, ball tentacle anemone, which is not anemone. It's a coralomorph. You saw it in my sump, right? The mm-hmm. big old, big old. Dude. Oh yeah, you and, fed and it. And I got a uh, second one from Tidal Gardens. Yeah. Shh, don't tell them. Don't yeah, tell them yeah, about yeah. the dead freshwater <laughs> fish that I fed them. <laughs> but I'm like, that thing needs no light, and it looks freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I really need to pull that thing out of the sump because I've had it for years and I've never had it on display. I've always had it in a, in a, in a safe chamber of my sump. But you know, there, there, there's just so much room for experimentation, and I feel like a. a a general theme with all of our sessions, not every one of them, is just everyone just going with the flow and just thinking that that's it. And I really miss the times when people were a lot more creative with what they built and how they built it. And well, even the I, argument to your, for homogenized, it's like, okay, you're subscribed <laughs> to 10 different YouTube celebrities and they're all talking about the same thing. And it's like, come on, guys. Think outside Sorry, the box. Give yeah. us, give us some like, give us some some insightful feedback. Don't just be you know parrot what's being already said. Um, but yeah, what else did I want to say? Yeah, you know, I, I just feel like because of the old approach to reef keeping, a saltwater aquarium keeping, um, where you're going to put more expensive livestock in there, and so therefore you should have an Iwaki pump and just a bigger sump and all this stuff. It has been going for like. 20 years where now everything that we all talk about and use is a Tesla or a BMW. You know, there's, there's, there's it's more the messaging and the mind share that's missing. And, you know, to be honest, there isn't like a prime is, is an amazing light. And it's also probably overkill for most tanks because people are like, Oh, the light is small, but it's 55 Watts. All right. I'll put that in my 10 gallon tank, but then they're running it at 25 to 30%. <laughs> you know, you could probably just take the fan off, put some smaller LEDs on there, get rid of the lenses and run that over a five gallon. And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of room there for the nano tank market, but what, what is compelling some of these companies to make cheaper products when people are already buying the smaller higher end products? Well, you know, um, so yeah, yeah, I get that, and I, I mean, you know, somebody's going to be like, "Well, if you use this light, there's these constraints, right, or this and that, or there might be too much shadowing if you just use two uh, primes over a 75 gallon tank." But it's like, yeah, work with those constraints, right? Ask yourself, what are some of the most unique, creative tanks you've stumbled upon on Instagram? They're usually nano reefs. Right? They're usually very, very true. I very mean, true. Uh, there's a guy like Tiger Boy or whatever his name is. He's on Instagram. He posts pictures of these little macro algae tanks and he's just using a power filter on the back and like a little LED strip. But it's because they're working within constraints that spurs creativity. And and to and me it's so rewarding. It's too, so much man. cooler. I was also gonna say 
I will, I, I challenge anyone. If anyone wants to take up this challenge on a four foot tank, three foot tank, I will run it with a power filter, no skimmer, cheap lights to your high end gear. And I will achieve every bit of the reef that you achieve. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Somebody wants to go head to head. You want to put, you know, a few thousand dollars of gear against my few hundred dollars of gear. Let's go. Let's duke it out. It'd be super fun to demonstrate how much is possible with just very minimal filtration. And I've actually been, you know, there's been a lot of mergers and stuff and people are just kind of stuck on corporatization of the aquarium hobby, which has been going on for a really long time, whether they know it or not. And so I'm going to be making a, a really big campaign um, for uh, local fish store Saturday, um, the day after Black Friday. And in our discussion, man, I'm like, I'm going to put together a tank. I was thinking about it while I was on vacation, listening to all the people yelling on YouTube. I was like, they're I'm going to go yelling so much. They're ranting. They don't even have good arguments, right? They're not. But I was like, like I'm going like, to go to Petco. I'm going to get a 30 gallon. Well, I, w- you know, I'm going to get a, a all glass tank. I mean, my 20 gallon that I, all my corals I keep in for a few months just to check for bugs and stuff. It's a 20 gallon. I did go fancy and I used a Tunzi internal filter, but all it is is an internal filter with a surface skimmer. That's all it is. It's a right. power head with a box. Right. Hey, you know what? The Seachem Tidal Power Filter also has a surface skimming feature built That right is in. what I used to use exclusively. But I, <laughs> I, uh, I got annoyed with the salt spray. And uh, so now I use a, a, the Tunzies, which are cheap too. And there's a compartment for a heater. They're actually brilliant. I'm, I think the Comlines are highly underappreciated power filters. Well, everything's been homogenized to be done a certain way. And yeah. that's been propagated by... Just an avalanche, a tidal wave of even people who've kept a reef tank for like 10 years. I'm like, all right, well, you're still kind of new to it because you don't know how we got here. But I'm like, I'm so, I've been thinking about this for a long time, just preoccupied with putting out content and having sessions of reef therapy and to looking after my corals and my fish. I was just like, man, I was just looking at pictures today of that nano tank I set up, the token nano reef tank that I set up here. I'm just like, well, that thing is every bit as good as you know any other nano tank. It needs zero bells or whistles. It doesn't need dosing. Doesn't need a protein skimmer. If 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 it needs anything, I'll just ch- change all the water out of it. Five gallons. Put it back in. It will literally take me a few minutes. And there goes my my need for an ETO. There goes my need for any dosing. There goes my need for algae scrubber. There goes my need for chemical media. It's just like everything is erased on a smaller tank. Just drain it down, put some good water back in and you're good. You're good for a while. So yeah, I really want to show more reefing on a budget because it's just not that hard. It's not as hard as, as you know, the, uh, the professional reef aquarium bloggers would have you believe. <laughs> well, and it doesn't need to be stuck to the nano realm, right? Affordable reef no, keeping should not. not equate nano reef keeping. Um, no, absolutely. I think I could put together a 55 gallon, everything needed livestock and rock for a thousand bucks or less. Do you remember, I mean, just, was it Mike yeah, capping it at a thousand? Uh, sorry, go ahead. I'm capping it at a thousand, but I think I can, I can come in under that and I'm going to be looking for, um, some sale prices, but not Jake Adams prices. Everyone wants to, you know, always wants to hook it up. I'm like, nope, whatever it says on the sticker, that's what I'm going for on a small business Saturday. We're gonna have a huge campaign and I'm going to build a reef tank from scratch from all the stuff I buy 
on you know that Saturday and I'm gonna set it all up in one day and I'm gonna do all the videos and it'll be awesome. Do you remember Mike Paletta, I think, wrote a book about like, hey, these are a bunch of examples of great reef tanks. Remember that book? Yeah, it's been done a few times. Yeah, he in the I remember in one of the books, uh Bob Stark, is that his name, the guy who founded e- mm-hmm. ESV? Bionic, oh, yeah. Bionic. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He, th- his tank was one of the example tanks, and I think it was run on like a Magnum filter. <laughs> you know? it, I don't know if I'd go to the canister filter route. No, I wouldn't it's either. Just... But it's like here's a guy who like revolutionized like you know additives in the reef keeping hobby. And his reef tank, he was like, yeah, I'll just stick a power filter, a, a type of power filter on it, and he put some lights on it, and that was it. You know, people always want to know what's in my filters. You know, my nano reef tank. There's nothing in the filter. It's just it's just snaking around until the pump sends it back to the tank. You know, the, there's a little filter sock on the intake. I didn't I cleaned that, I don't know, a few times in here when I remember that it's there because it's so clogged it starts kind of overflowing into one of the other chambers. Um, and in all my nano reef tanks, like I don't even think about what I put in there. Um, I do remember though when I was running the Eco Reef One and Eco Reef Zero, I could put a tiny bit of carbon in a Duetto internal filter oh, Duetto. and the they corals don't make those anymore. Do they? That was like, they, the- they're under, under, under different brands. Oh, okay. There's a lot of brands that, you know, uh, relabel that filter, but that was one of the first ones I had for like turtles before I considered myself an actual aquarist. Um, but I would put carbon in there, like in between water changes and the corals would respond as if I had done a water change, just put one spoonful of carbon in there and be like, Put a lug it back in, and uh, we're off to the races. But that was so, yeah, another no, I, example, right? Where people like hard plumb a media reactor into a manifold, and it was like, look, if you have to level up from just putting a bag of carbon in your sump, just grab one of those duettos, because that's what I would do. And I put some carbon in it, and I throw it in my sump, and I plug it in, and like let it run for a few days, and then I take it out. Oh, do you know what I did? Uh, for my media reactors, because uh, there's always a chambers, you know, and, and, and baffles and stuff in your sump. I got specimen cups drilled out the bottom. Oh, and that's now right. I, I remember you some, about that. I have something that water passes through yeah. my chemical medias. I do that on my six. 100 gallon system i got a small specimen cup next to a large specimen cup because they fit perfectly on the you know uh, on the on the baffle where i needed them to be and most of the time there's nothing but if i need to run some chemical media um why 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 do i want to have this thing that i have to plug another pump into um and unscrew a bunch of wing nuts or thumb screws and then pull the whole thing out nor no i have a bag and you know what? I take them out and I take it out and I take it out and then I have a pile of used media and I, you know, clean them all at once and then refill a bunch at the same time. And as I need them, I just go grab a pre-rinse bag, throw it in there as needed by what the, t- the corals tell me. Yeah. So I think, you know, what's really cool about this session is I, I think we've um, identified the real problem. It's not the, the products. It's not the technology. It's the messaging. You know, because if you look at some of these freshwater tanks, they have everything they need. The only thing we need is something a little bit bluer. And when when you and I were talking, I guess, a little more privately about it and just, you know, if we – because I was like, well, we'll we'll define affordable, right? Like, because that's a slippery slope too is like it's what's affordable to one person is not affordable to another. So affordable reef keeping, how do you quantify that? And for me, it was like, all right, compared to a freshwater setup. 
right? I, I, I would consider that sort of a good variable to, to go against. Now, the livestock's going to probably be more expensive, obviously. Um, the other thing is... Some, some of the livestock, yeah. because some of the corals, they grow so much and yeah. so fast that they almost have no value. Like, people will almost pay you to take them. Yeah, but like fish, right? Like fish are not, cr- not necessarily, but you know, I'll, I'll put a I'll put a yellowtail, blue damselfish, or a domino or a humbug against any freshwater fish, cost per cost. Right, those are five dollars. To me, show me a freshwater fish that costs five dollars that looks like a humbug or a blue devil. No, but like your your <laughs> your your blue devil is more like should like you know, I I don't know like an ex. Forget discus and all that, but I mean, a $10 fish at PetSmart, you know, I, I don't know, you know, like on average, you might, when you add it all up, the cost of putting crap in the tank might be higher, right? But the other argument I know, that man, I don't want to... I, uh, I have I have all the lace rock. I have I have all the rock. You yeah. Know, I have dry rock. I have man-made rock. I still use lace rock in my tanks because I freaking like it. That's a freshwater stone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I say the <laughs> the other thing that seems to be the the focus of discussion is whether a light should be like like they're talking about the example lights that are seven hundred dollars, right? And I'm like, well, okay, if you want to argue whether they should be charging that much, that's that's like a whole other argument, but that has nothing to do with the hobby being expensive, right? I don't I'm not gonna say that the guitar hobby is expensive because some custom shop guitar that costs ten grand is expensive, right? Or I mean that so so to me like singling out individual products doesn't make sense right because there are people are also forgetting that getting a good LED light you don't have to replace the bulbs yeah like you did with T5s and T8s and T12s and halides you don't have to get a chiller because now all of a sudden your tank runs a lot cooler than it ever has and you're supposed to get 10 years out of it so if you amortize the cost of an eight hundred and sixty nine dollar uh, um, Kessel A nine X, a Neptune Sky, or Radeon G five Pro over ten years. That's ninety dollars a year. But when did people, those people aren't thinking lights, about that? Because and they are on on the in the just, in the perception. I just named world. three lights that were the exact same price. Right, but all those lights um, in in the in the, the 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 narrow lens world that people think their reef keeping universe is, they consider those standards, and I don't consider those standards, right? I those mean, those are premium, right? Except for one. I mean, <laughs> I, in my opinion, you know, like, like I, and again, I don't, I'm not trying to set up an Acropora tank, but that I should don't think that should be the standard either, right? And an XR15 or a Hydra 26 or an AI Prime. Or A360X or an uh, 150 Kessel. These are all great lights. And you can, I mean, give me a 75 gallon tank and give me two of the smallest Kessels. And like, I will set up a cool tank. It'll be cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, like, the average new reef keeper is talking to people who've only been keeping reef tanks for 10 years and they don't know how to do it creatively. They're just going to the standard bearers and it's like, you know, if you really dialed in those bam bams and your eagle eyes, O's and those Rastas and a few different colors of shrooms, a few leather corals, they're going to be about as bright, if not brighter than your struggling SPS corals. True. I agree with that. 
Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, we've, we've made our point that the, there's a lot of room to make the reef aquarium hobby more accessible. And it's just about the messaging. And uh, yeah, I, I can see how it can be daunting when you go to reef builders and other websites and we're talking about just the latest, you know, latest and greatest gear and the new gear and not talking about you stuff because I don't know. People don't really want to hear about it, but yeah, I'm very motivated now to create some of these tanks because I know I could slap together a good tan nanos with the corals I already have and some really affordable gear and make, you know, something that would be really compelling and interesting. But, you know, when you see what other people have, you want to have that too. And, uh, you know, whether it's gear or fish or livestock, um, you know, maybe you feel left out unless you're, you know, really in tune with the aesthetics that you enjoy in front of yourself. Yeah. I I think it's a good, uh, a good spot to finish on. And I, I could, point other examples we'll save those for uh other talks of just how so sometimes things get out of hand i think on the internet right in terms of um i don't know it's it's like self-feeding right it's like this absolutely weird, it's it a just, self-feeding fire yeah look outside your your online bubble ask your local fish store you know what they really want for that coral that's been sitting in the corner for a long time you don't do a little haggling go to some freshwater shops and and see what they have because they're not into playing these games they just um you know buy 50 lots of cheap frags from whatever wholesaler they happen to buy all their livestock from and i think you, you know if you look outside your online bubble you will find uh that the the physical world in real life is actually much more affordable than what Instagram and um, online social media leads you to believe. But I do worry, man. I do. I, I think the people that are walking into that bubble and going, hey, let me learn about this hobby. It's starting to look like uh, on the perception level, it's starting to look like like collecting luxury watches or something. And the the wannabe biology people, right? Like the people that are just want nature in a box and want to tinker, they're going to go right out that revolving door like, whoa, okay, I just walked into a madhouse. I'm out of here. You know, I, I do think that's going to happen and you're going to see the audience change. And that's, to me, worrisome, right? Uh, you know, the pendulum has swung to a very uh, far extreme in regards to the equipment and the livestock and what else can it do but swing back to a more moderate center where we take from the principles of aquascaping and ponds and terrariums and and focus less on the names of the coral and whatever hype is of the minute and create just something that is beautiful and enjoyable yep yep absolutely Cool. Well, that was an awesome session. Um, I thought I was going to, we were going to talk about something else, but you know, this one came up, so it was kind of, kind of cool because I'm fired up about it. And I've been, this is a a topic that's actually been on my mind um, for, you know, most of this year, but I'm looking forward to um, eating my own dog food by putting together some, uh, some, some cool, compelling and very affordable uh, examples um, for people to be inspired by. I may or may not join you in that endeavor. We'll see. Yeah. I'll see what I can do to get you on that uh, reefing on a budget train. So if you guys uh, enjoy this episode, make sure to, to share it with someone who might be discouraged by the high cost of, of reef keeping, you know, that is promoted online. 
Um, but I think there's there's a lot of solutions to this emerging problem, and uh, we're going to do what we can to push the pendulum back to more moderate center. And uh, we hope you guys will join us for the ride. So make sure to subscribe if you're watching this on the Reef Therapy YouTube channel. Make sure to rate us if you're listening to a, one of your favorite podcatchers. And uh, we'll catch you guys very soon on the next session of Reef Therapy. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.